Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, episode 26 of The Front Lounge. If you are already subscribed to our Patreon page, thank you very much. If you're not, you can subscribe and you will hear an advertisement coming up on this podcast. But if you go to Patreon and pay $2 a month, it'll be ad-free. You can also post questions and we'll do once a month a Q&A where we answer questions. And we'll be doing exclusive content on the Patreon page. So go to patreon.com slash K-O-N-G-O-S. note everybody that this episode of the front lounge contains spoilers of bus call go watch episode two on our youtube channel which is youtube.com slash congos music to get caught up how's it going everybody uh welcome to the front lounge uh today we are talking about episode two of bus call it's called repeat after me it just um well we're recording this right after it came out on youtube and uh this episode is the first episode where it starts to feel a little more linear and you get the timeline and you get some drama and you get you know a little cliffhanger at the end of the episode we're excited now to get people to see this part of it as opposed to just the biographical part which is mostly in the first episode yeah i remember when logan um did a rough cut uh, of the first few minutes of this episode trying to get an idea because each episode we kind of wanted to have a theme some type of message or some type of idea that we were trying to convey and this was a difficult one to get across because the, like Jesse said, the episode or the tour was starting to feel very uh, linear, the footage that we had. So um, he edited the first five minutes roughly and just did this nice speed up of clips of like, uh, you know, five, 10, 15 shows in a row. And that kind of gave us the idea that for this episode, this repeat after me theme, which is just repetition of your daily activities over and over and over again, um, starts to give you a strange feeling of, being in these different worlds, you know, where everything's staying the same, basically. But I think there's a clip in this episode where uh, Logan had interviewed Tony, our bus driver, the greatest bus driver known to man. And you can see in the smile on his face when he's talking about, he's you know, he's driven every road in America, every back road, every province in Canada, everything in state. And he, it, like, as he's going through in his head, answering the question, he kind of like has this realization, like, "Holy shit, I've done like I've been at this club fifteen times." You know, yeah. that's a common thing we talk to uh, later in one of the later episodes. We have a different bus driver for a while. And we're asking him about that, and we said, "Have you ever played the whatever Showbox Theater in Seattle?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, thousands of times." Yeah. Well, I mean, eventering obviously we saw what we were going across you see the country a lot more because you're driving more during the day but on the bus tour you go into the pod and it's a bit like if you've ever seen the movie being there he doesn't know how the how the elevator works he gets in the elevator and then he shows up in a new world you know mm-hmm. when he gets off on a different floor it's kind of like what you when, do on yeah the- when you can't see the the trip uh, out of some sort of viewing space <laughs> yeah the nice just, thing about they change the cost so, the nice thing about this tour the way it started was the drives were quite scenic and for a few of them we woke up early to catch the end of them like we drove up the west coast starting in um catalina or basically not off the coast of catalina um and then we drove like yeah long beach and then we drove all the way up to canada went through banff and those morning drives i think that's what tony lives for yeah like one of the top the top three things that he lives for on tour is those 
those occasional moments where the sun's coming up and you're driving in a place like Banff or um, the mountains of Seattle. I think I remember asking him what his favorite drive was from obviously the hundreds of thousands of miles that he's done. And I think he said that his favorite and his least favorite drive was the same drive. It's the Western Canada, Trans-Canada Highway, whatever it's called, in summer is his favorite. And in winter, it's his least favorite because yeah. it, he says it's just white knuckle the whole way on snow and ice. <laughs> he sees so much shit that we don't see because we're sleeping when he's doing the driving for the most part. And so his drive starts usually at 1 or 2 a.m. And then we arrive at the venue at 10 or 11 a.m. What was it? And it's just it's just so funny. You know, you wake up in the morning and Tony's kind of finishing his day. And it's normally like, hey, Tony, how's it going? How's the drive? He's like, dude, I fucking saw an antelope running across the street. <laughs> like, you know, sees all this shit that we just don't even know is going on while we're asleep. <laughs> it was on that tour, this one in episode two, that he has a dash cam like a lot of bus and truck drivers do. And twice on that tour, there was a truck going down the wrong side of a freeway. I mean, like a divided freeway. Somehow a truck had gotten on the wrong side. And he said he was there. It was like four in the morning. And he sees this thing coming towards him. He thought, oh, it must just be the angle. I'm coming around a corner. And then he noticed, holy shit, there's a truck coming down the wrong side of the freeway. So luckily, he only told us about that. He didn't wake us up for that because I would shat my pants. To think (laughs) that a whole country does that, you know, in the UK. Um, (laughs) There was a prank. What is that? Did we told you that called? There was a, sometimes you get a second driver if you're doing like a, uh, you know, longer stint. So <laughs> there was a second driver on one of the buses, and Tony didn't tell the band, and they snuck this driver on, and they were all hanging out in the back lounge, all stoned. So he, in the middle of the drive, just walked back to the back lounge, and nobody knew who was driving the bus. <laughs> this, hey guys, what's up? It's pretty yeah. straight. I just <laughs> I do this all the time. Yeah, yeah to elaborate what Danny's saying is that sometimes because of the legality of a long drive you can't have one driver drive like over 500 miles or whatever it is 400 miles so you need to get a second driver so <laughs> in fact they call they, those long run submarine rides because it's like you don't you don't come up for air you just 18 hours straight and uh, we've done a few of those it's not fun i think now uh next year 2019 it actually goes into implementation the digital tracking of miles now of bus drivers it used to be kind of an honor system where bus drivers were only meant to drive whatever 600 miles or eight hours something like that now all the buses are equipped with a, mm. a timer that they can't do and in europe obviously i think ultimately it's a much safer thing but it can be annoying just from the routing side of things because in europe you'll get to a place and if the bus driver times out he literally can't start the bus and you're you're stuck wherever that bus is until the next cycle comes around yeah that, that guy bob he drove 16 million miles. No, it wasn't Bob. It was another driver. Yeah, we had a, we had another driver. Tom, sorry. Yeah, Tom. Tom. Yeah. And he just subbed in for a couple of days because Tony had to go away for a family thing. And yeah, he had driven 16 million miles. And he must have been in his late 60s or 70s. And we did the math on it at some point. He was a, in a truck with his wife. So they would switch off. That was the only way that we could calculate the math, that he had done that many miles. <laughs> It was like 40 years of a thousand miles a day or something. Wasn't you drove, no, you drove Willie Nelson much. for a while, right? Or? Can't be a thousand miles a day. I can't, he may have been longer time, so maybe less miles a day, but yeah. 
the point they were a driving team and that's the, it oh, was the only oh, way I they could get that done yeah, yeah, was yeah. basically that they switched off and drove 12 13 hours How far a day. is the moon <laughs> from us it's hot, uh, 32 million miles i think colton can you check can you fact yeah, colton, check us? let's this is we need one of those fact check things how far is it to the moon from earth it is okay we're a little off <laughs> it's way off Oh yeah, that but but that actually makes it. It's only two hundred and forty thousand miles to the moon. Yeah, so that means he could have driven to the moon. Yeah, Jeez. how far is the sun? <laughs> Hold on, how far is the sun? Ninety-three million miles. Anyway, um, the thing I like about this ninety yeah, ninety-three million miles. I remember that? I don't know. Dad used to just say it. That's like one of those facts that he was proud to know, and he would say it a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the thing I like about this episode too, which maybe be a nice segue into the um, exclusive snippet of the song at the end of the episode that you hear that's called Tomorrow, is um, as a viewer, now that we're kind of done editing it and we've, we watch it just to make sure that the upload is correct on YouTube, um, we're a little bit detached, or I was a little bit detached, whereas when you're editing it and you're in the middle of it, you're you're thinking of everything as a project. And now seeing as a story, I like the fact that it the viewer now knows the characters, they know um, the band, they know the general setup, and now it's like you're in deep with tour life and the kind of the day-to-day and to see right. what goes on from it gets morning more, to night. It gets, if you guys are, I'm assuming if you've watched two, you'll watch the rest. Um, but it gets more like that. It gets even more fly on the wall and less kind of edited because there's less to condense and we get more into the meat of it. So you really just feel like you're kind of uh, a fly on the wall. Yeah, and I like the, you know, the statement at the end, which Eddie, who's doing the voiceover, um, makes is, you know, each day that you spend in your little world, you try to make one less mistake, and it, it does. It feel like every show and every day feels like an opportunity to refine the show and refine uh, the act. And so, when that audience is seeing the show for the first time, it's new to them, and it's but we've played the show a hundred times, but it's still an opportunity each day to kind of fix the fuck-ups from the night before, which I think leads nicely into the song called Tomorrow, written by Johnny, which you don't hear any lyrics, but when we do release a song, you'll hear the kind of the relevance of it. Yeah. Um, why don't we just play that right now? Yeah. Instrumental demo. Tomorrow now. Not even finished. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, so that's tomorrow, or at least the instrumental version of it. I think, Danny, you were saying it's kind of a Steve Reich music for AT musicians inspired, at least the synth that you hear up front to that kind of yeah. very repetitive rhythmic. We brought that guy up like four times on this podcast. We don't really listen to him that much, but he is... You, Anytime something sounds a bit like it, he's the first guy you think of, you know. We'll post a, we've posted a link to it before, I think, yeah. as well. Also, the the groove, the drum groove on this has kind of got that rolling egg feel. Yeah, it's yeah. a confusing one when it gets to the what sounds like the chorus part there because it's uh, this rolling egg, Moroccan-y type groove, but then all of the chords are moving in 7-4 against that, so it's hard to actually latch on to where the downbeat is. Mm. Yes, the but when the... So it's a rolling egg, and then the chords move in seven four. So your a rolling egg is also a bit like interference. So then, <laughs> not, not not everybody knows the rolling egg. That's yeah, just something yeah. that one drum teacher told me. I I don't know how commonly known. Well, it if is, you picture like a ball rolling down a hill, it rolls evenly, right? And yeah, imagine so that as a rhythm. Now imagine an egg rolling down the hill it goes whoop whoop whoop. So rhythmically, you can have things that kind of go that feel a bit like an egg. <laughs> There's a speed up and a slow down within the cycle of a bar, basically yeah. is what is happening. And then there's a there's a bigger rolling egg because the chords take a while to. Perhaps some of our American listeners would better understand it's a football rolling down, <laughs> you know? like uh, you know they're all pigskin. It's really what I go to for inspiration for my rhythms. That's on the news here. They work in two or three sports analogies into. Literally everything's a sports analogy yeah. in America. When we first moved here, I was like, what the hell does bottom of the ninth mean? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Football is a sports it analogy. Is, it's, the, it's the dumbing down of everything. It's like the only way you can understand something is in the form of an analogy to a game. So remember that game you used to play when you were a kid? This whole complex system of the universe is like... Game. It's the game. It, look, for the people who play football, it's a fucking serious thing, and I you respect that. But most of the fans, they talk about it like they play. <laughs> you yeah, know? but you don't need to like use it as an analogy for everything that you ever talk about. Yeah. We're at the bottom of the ninth of this war. This yeah. war should be done pretty soon. Well, yeah, dude, speaking of that, there's that great Roger Waters album, Amused to Death, where they've got a commentator commentating oh, yeah. a war as if it's a football game. Yeah. They're calling it Navy battle destroyers, yeah. sending in the missiles. There's going, he's going long, he's going yeah. long. <laughs> he, I think he got a real announcer for that. Yeah, he sounded like one of those... Uh, Albert or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it does sound exactly like him. The worst announcer ever is that drunk guy who commentates boxing. You know who I'm talking about? That oh, guy, yeah. he's always fucking drunk and he's so condescending and you all, he's just such a dick to all the boxers, and you really just want one of them to be like, wow, how do you get away with talking to me like this? I'm a boxer. I, can't <laughs> I think that's a thing for commentators of all kinds, because we often get these YouTube comments or Twitter comments where, like the same way it's like me saying to Mike Tyson, you should have ducked an uppercut yeah. <laughs> there. We get always a bunch of comments like, you should have left the accordion in, and then you should have, like the chorus happened too soon. Right, I you saw know, that. If I was you. <laughs> so I, was, I, I always, I like watching those comments because I was watching videos of Lomachenko, who's like this super technical, you know, skilled boxer, and the people commenting like, he's not twisting his hips enough. He's <laughs> <laughs> You just really got to wonder about a person who's willing to write a comment about one of the greatest boxers in the world. <laughs> What's worse than them, though, is are the people that do it for, for a profession. A yeah. yeah, like music critics who can't play a lick on an instrument, but they'll critique music. Um, anyway, <laughs> off on that tangent, another part of episode two is, um, you know, you get into a little bit of the 
drama, I guess, of um, the music business. The music business, yeah. What uh, we kind of explain a little bit about setting up a radio campaign. And part of the clip you see is in Philadelphia when we went to do an acoustic performance. That's that's kind of part of the um, process of getting a song on the radio is doing um, acoustic performances for VIP guests of um, radio stations, um, doing interviews and on that participating, day, basically. yeah, it's participating. You know, it's kind of a scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And um, we we played this acoustic set in Philadelphia, and then that day, I think it was a couple hours later, we found out that they were uh, killing the radio campaign. Yeah, we went to Radio One Hundred Four Five. They've always been really hugely supportive of us, and uh, Jam and Jesse, who's one of the DJs out there, we know her well. And did this whole thing, and later that day, went back to the hotel room, got a call from our manager saying the label's killing your single. Mm. And, and then the next, of- the next day, which we don't um, have much footage of it, but we went to Johnson City and we played this great little acoustic set in this bar where like a, we were expecting maybe 150, 200 people show up, and it was with us and Judah and the Lion, and like a thousand people show up to this tiny little bar in Johnson City, and um, huge support from this radio station and. When a campaign stops for a song, it you know the radio stations have no reason to play it anymore because you know they're not going to be getting uh, the reassurance they need from a label or a radio marketing camp uh, team to know that the song's going to be pushed and not just on their station. You know, it's yeah. got it's got to be relevant to the rest of the country. So one station, if they're not getting the support, is going to say, no, "Never mind, we're not going to go with this song." Yeah, it takes kind of consistent following up from a radio promotion team, checking in on the single, seeing how's it doing, you know, is there any chance we could get a couple extra spins here and see how it does in like overnights or afternoon drive time and that it's, you know, it's a very uh, in-depth political campaign. So there's so much behind it. And I just remember the second half of that tour, there were a lot of awkward meet and greets with radio DJs that were out, you know, coming to support the show. They'd been promoting the show, coming up to us saying, hey guys, I'm really excited to play the new single, The World Will Run Better. And we're like, that's great to hear. doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, anyway, keep on watching um, to find out how that unfolds. Obviously, we're still alive. Um, (laughs) We're doing a podcast about it. Uh, But, yeah, I guess also in this episode, what else did we touch on? It's Days off, yeah. I like I like the way it's said as well. Is you know there are no um, on days or off days or no week no no weekends and no weekdays, just show days and off days. So um, yeah, they uh, it is the term roadie Friday, which is any day where there's not a show the next day is considered roadie Friday. It's like a Friday because you can you can party or drink or whatever and not worry about having to get up and do your job the next day. So there's normally like one roadie friday a week maybe two depending on on the scheduling often they fall on if you're lucky enough if you if you can afford to or if you've planned well enough they fall on mondays because it's difficult to pull people out to shows on mondays and tuesdays so roadie friday often falls on a um sunday, sunday i guess the day before there's a couple clips in that little montage of the days off the one where they're in Hayes, Kansas and Jesse walks into the room and says the whole town smells like farts. We're not trying to shit on Kansas in this season. (laughs) They are. (laughs) (laughs) But for some reason, there's just a lot of really funny things happening in Kansas throughout this tour, as you'll see in some of the later episodes. Some good ones too, not not only only uh, jokes. But that scene's actually from the 2015 tour. 
Yeah. That was on that winter run that we did. Well, it just captures exactly what a day off in a really small um, American town is like because basically you're left with the options of maybe a bowling alley if you're lucky, an Arby's or something like that. Cracker Barrel. Yeah, Cracker Barrel. So a lot of time you just spend hanging out in a hotel room. You you guys, I flew flew out of town to go – for during that I, you, Hayes, Kansas, and you guys talk about Hayes, Kansas more than any other city. Because well, more about than Russians. I feel like I've missed out on the most important city. You've missed on, out on the most important boring days yeah. on tour ever. <laughs> but everyone remembers it. I know Chris. No, not uh, me. <laughs> Chris and Jordan, who was doing merch for us on that tour, still have got the T-shirts they bought at the Goodwill in Hayes, Kansas. Yeah, like yeah. everyone just remembers Hayes, Kansas for some reason. I believe Hayes, Kansas, or Salina, Kansas, which is one of the later episodes, is like the geographical center of America. You know, it's equ- actually equidistant to Copernicus. Yeah, to, yeah, equidistant to L.A. and New York. When a city is that kind of desolate, you you often make the best of it and it becomes quite a fun day because like going... The people there are usually fun. Yeah, like, and they're interesting know. and, and uh, you go into a, a Costco or like a Walmart or you go into... Where did they go? They said into a gas station got um, the t-shirts. Yeah, like well, it's like Goodwill or something. A Goodwill, yeah. And you, you kind of make the best and the most of that day that you can. I feel like we were in somewhere in Alabama in the middle of nowhere and we went to a Hooters... And there was a, a. It was Birmingham. It wasn't the middle of nowhere. It wasn't okay. It was Birmingham. But we, we whenever it, it feels like the middle of nowhere because very often when you're looking for a space to park a bus, you can't like stay in a hotel in the middle of town. So you end up in the outskirts. We were I know like we 25 went twenty five miles outside of Birmingham, and it's a Monday night, you yeah. know, anywhere like. But we went to a Hooters and well, tried to convince them that. to change the ball game to the uh, presidential debate. It did. And they did. Yeah. But then there were a lot of people in the bar that were not happy that there was Trump and Hillary going at it mm. on the thing. Before that, though, there's a Cracker Barrel and a Waffle House across the street from each other. Half the crew went to one and the other. <laughs> and uh, we all compared notes afterwards on whose eggs were cooked better. Yeah. I thought that was pretty fitting. To just That's what the, de- the debate felt like, something you'd watch in the Hooters. <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting. Like, you know, people obviously would... Imagine in Birmingham it would all have been Trump supporters or whatever, but most of the people were just turn it the fuck off supporters. Like yeah. we were only watching it as the curiosity of like it's just funny to watch the debates, I think. But most people are just like we don't want to hear about this. And I think that's indicative of how a lot of people felt. Another day off that uh, stood out to me was Alaska when we did uh, this wasn't on that tour, this was some other time we went up there. And uh, we'll get to this in our deep thoughts how sleep and light and circadian rhythms affect everything. But it's very disorienting when you go to Alaska in the, the middle of the summer because it's 4 a.m., it's still light outside, and you're at a bar and you feel like, oh, I can keep, I can stay up and keep going. And it just, it, everyone acts weird and goes, goes crazy when they're not used to that. And I remember what we were out at some bar in Palmer, Alaska, which is where they have the state fair. And Chris rang the bell at the bar. You know, there's a, a, a line. You pull this string yeah. and it rings the bell. And he didn't know that that means you buy the entire bar a round of drinks. So he rings it. And the bartender comes up to him and says, all right, you're going to do this. And he's like, oh, I didn't know. And she goes, I don't give a shit. You're buying this thing. So you end up having to spend like $75. Luckily, it was cheap Alaska prices for beers. And I I rang it off to that. And I only had to spend $20. I waited till there were like four people in the bar to be a hero. Chris ended up with a massive bar tab. It's like um, waiting to clean up. 
Well, yeah, yeah. One, of, one of the things we learned from 2014 touring is that, like, days off, we would often route them or schedule them in cool cities. And and it is nice to do that. But if you're if you have the option between, like, a mediocre city and being out in the mountains or something like that, we made that decision to be out in the mountains later because we found ourselves on days off when you have nothing else to do, just going out to bars and drinking and drinking. And 2014-15 turned into a pretty... Uh, pretty unhealthy couple years of touring so now in so in episode two you see the hike in alaska that we did where johnny and garen quit it wasn't twelve thousand feet straight up like johnny says it's maybe twelve thousand steps maybe or something well whatever it was it was we only made it halfway dylan went to the top it was called lazy moose moose. nearly ran you over oh yeah it's called lazy moose trail or something and it started and they just went up we thought this this is a good option for a nice sunday hike called lazy moose and then it just it was, lazy it was mountain or yeah a moose later. a moose actually not a lazy moose a very active moose almost ran me over when mo and i were running down um the last like half mile of the trail it was so big i thought it was a person on a horse i thought it was it was that big the head was like eight feet in the air and it just like stampeded right across the trail yeah, I believe, I mean, a full-size moose can be 13 feet at the shoulder. Oh, yeah. It was Check us on that. that <laughs> I did right. say 16 million miles to the moon. No way, 13 feet. Uh, well, that one, they, they one they have in the um, in the airport in Anchorage. Yeah, 13 feet is, is like ceiling. one of the biggest mooses in the... Yeah, making I, that up also. <laughs> <laughs> Distance is off today with Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the, maybe the uh, what's it called? Yeah, he- it's uh, it's antlers. Antlers, yeah. yeah. Wait a second. Even that, yeah, way, no, that doesn't make sense. If you've ever stood, if you go if you to the a, airport, if you in put Alaska, a moose on a four foot platform, it could be fifteen <laughs> feet. If you the go shoulder. to the airport in Alaska in, in Anchorage and you see there, it's one of the biggest mooses ever. And Meese. thank luck, mices, mices. It was one of the biggest mooses ever. That thankfully, they someone killed it. You know, they we needed it dead so that we could see it. Um, sarcasm, obviously. Uh, but if you go see it, the head is like you could reach up and not touch the top of its head. Yeah. Cool. Um, anyway. 20, 20, <laughs> 20 feet at the at the knee. Yeah. Um, that you're talking about the moose on the wall. That's what you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a mounted moose. All right. Favorite gear of the week. This is not even a specific piece of gear. It's just our 100 terabyte hard drives. We've got three of them, so 300 terabyte hard drives, and you buy them as groupings of 12 terabytes or 10 terabytes and then raid them together. Danny, we found a cheap way to do this, basically, because they're very, very expensive for that much We're hard drive much space. Cheap, yeah. But we found a cheaper way to do it where you buy an enclosure and put 12 of these smaller drives and then raid them together, yeah. and that would be... A terabyte is 1,000 gigabytes. Yeah. It's, and it's a terribly it? big amount of terabytes uh, but it was nice because before this we were split across multiple drives it was very annoying we just decided to bite the bullet and get everything onto one drive and be able to look through our entire history what's crazy yeah. is the size of them they're like what a foot tall like a cube a foot cubed about each yeah. of them which um is massive these days for hard drives but what would it what would that size be like in the 90s to fit 100 terabytes. It'd be like the size of a house or something. Yeah, it'd be room. I mean, the server rooms back in those days were... Find that picture. Colton, do you have that picture of the... 
No, you don't have it. I'm going to tell you to find it. <laughs> um, look up that picture of the first, what is it, the first gig? Yeah, first gigabyte hard drive or something. It's Matt, we'll throw a picture of this. It is literally the size of a room. All this so that we can make fart jokes on YouTube. Yeah. In That's 4K. not it. It's actually, it's, maybe it was bigger than a gig. But anyway, we'll find and throw a picture up. Um, yeah, it's actually, it's probably our least favorite piece of gear. The no, amount of money it. you have to spend just to store your photos and yeah. videos is crazy. And back them up, and then Danny's constantly swearing at the computer because the backup, someone's done the backup naming wrong or some <laughs> sync, uh, chrono sync thing wrong. And I don't, yeah, computers are, I guess it's just a, you don't get to swear and yell at people in real life most of the time. So computers, they get all the... They get all the hate. Yeah, when the AI finally develops, it's going to have a very... It's going to have a good, perfect memory, and it's going to remember yeah. what I said to it. Yeah, Remember that uh, viral video from like 10 years ago of the German kid beating his keyboard up and yelling at the computer? Yeah, You know how everyone kind of laughed at it and thought it was funny? But I mean, guarantee you 90% of people have done that. Anyone who works on a computer has done that on <laughs> yeah. their own private time. It's just not a video of it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, sometimes you catch yourself. It's like yelling, yelling I can't remember at an inanimate object, and you, you get you. I can't remember what they're called. They're the cartoons, just very, very simple stick drawing cartoons where it would always end in like really bloody violence. And there's one oh, of yeah. them that's the guy, he's screaming at his computer, and he just starts banging his head against the keyboard until his head disappears. Pops yeah, it pops yeah. off. Um, well, now that they've got you've got Siri and Alexa, it's kind of a, what's the word? Anthropomorphize yeah. the uh, hatred. I know, but what's unusual is I feel like you can tell a fair amount about a person by how they talk to their uh, Siri or whatever, you know? Yeah. Some people order it around. <laughs> it's very weird. It's the same people that treat waiters and badly. God you damn it, I mean? Alexa, that's not what I fucking said. <laughs> I tell Siri to shut up sometimes because she just starts talking to me out of my pocket for no reason. So, I mean, that's, that's rude, first of all. Um, so this, let's finish up with deep thoughts that's not that deep, but we, that Alaska was making me think about how your circadian rhythms work and how on tour particularly it just gets completely fucked, your body's natural sense of when to sleep because obviously... Just the travel and general things affecting tiredness, but when you're on, particularly on flying tours, just bouncing around the world, you cannot get settled. And you know, you feel it and you think, Oh, I feel bad, but I'll catch up in a week. But then I forget the name of the scientist who was on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple months ago talking about this. And that was a horrifying podcast because he just said that the recovery from that is months long before your body readjusts properly and resettles back into its proper rhythm and basically explained how bad the sleep deprivation that everyone does on tour is for them. It's the single biggest uh, contributing factor to mortality, he says. What's that? Sleep deprivation. It's the single, like if you were to say able to kind of as easily distinguish it, it yeah. it's worse for you than you know any, any other factor contributing to cancer or uh, obesity, heart disease, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's just oh. it's kind of frightening and it makes you... How do, they f- how do they figure that out, though? I guess it's correlated. People who are sleep-deprived just die more than... Yeah, I mean, and when they do studies of what the average American now is getting... The average American is sleep-deprived, seriously sleep-deprived now. It's become a major problem and it's affecting everything and so much so that he gets into some details in certain cities 
where they've changed the start school, uh, the school start time, even the the incidence of car accidents go down by a massive factor just because now parents have got an extra forty five minutes to get their kid to school and then get off to work. It it's dramatically changes everything. I always think of that scene in, in Coming to America when Eddie Murphy's singing on the streets and yeah. the whole of the apartments around him just w- start waking up and yelling at him, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> Well, is it, I thought it was also interesting that in northern, um, northern hemisphere countries like uh, Norway, the Scandinavian countries, and then places like Alaska, where the summers are just daylight all around all year long, or sorry, all day long, um, the frequency of depression is much higher during the summer months than they are in the winter months, which is kind of counterintuitive. I would think that oh, not, not seeing about the, the sun. I think that was more specific. I think that was. Um Alaska, where it's north enough that uh, it's daylight all all around, the suicide rates increase. Oh yeah, yeah. What did I say? I thought you were talking about like, uh, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, no you're, you're talking about the same thing. It's yeah, basically yeah. that your body's not getting the natural signals that trigger certain hormones that help you fall asleep if you're seeing light beyond a certain point. And also yeah, obviously mean, ties light, into uh, like looking at screens and all of that is completely messed with. They don't understand circadian rhythms fully though because they put people in constant light and 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 deprived light and they still have a circadian rhythm. So there's a, there's a clock independent of light as well. Right. Um, but it definitely has a uh, plays a role. Oh, in yeah. It. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've even started. It's made us think about how we tour and tr- trying to do it better. There's no way to do it perfectly because it's still just fundamentally not play healthy shows during the daytime we'll do like a brunch <laughs> matinee specials well yeah it's uh no matter who you talk to uh jason says it in one of the episodes is like when asking he was asked when was the last time he slept was and he's like i can't remember he's like i mean i got a couple hours on the bus but that's not really sleep it's like doesn't really count and it's it's uh you don't feel it until you get to the end of tour the upside is nothing is funnier than sleep deprivation. <laughs> it's the funniest yeah, the, that things can get is when you get a little bit of a second wind and you're sleep deprived, then things get really, really funny. Yeah, we've had some of our funniest times in uh, when runners pick us up to take us to a 4 a.m. Uh, you know, lobby call at the airport after yeah, a festival. Everything is funny. These are runners as in like people that drive you, drive you from one... Point, point A to point B, not joggers at yeah. 4 a.m. <laughs> They're just tired, and we haven't slept in four weeks, and having the time of our lives, they must think we're all like carrying around laughing gas with us. All right, well, it's not that deep, but it's a thought. Uh, <laughs> let's finish that there. Make sure you tell your friends about Bus Call. Uh, this season's going to keep getting more and more dramatic and funny and everything and we you know we need your help to spread the word about this thing we we're getting really great response from everybody except i saw one downvote on episode two after we put it up so whoever you are (laughs) stop it (laughs) go take it back go get a megaphone get a box stand on a corner that's the most effective way to it is really important that you know there's uh there's only a few hundred or maybe sometimes on big episodes a thousand or fifteen hundred people that are listening to this podcast, um, but it is really important for this bus call to spread the word because uh, it's going to be the way that this uh, series gets legs. It's going to be word of mouth. Um, it is on our YouTube channel, so and it's not on some major network that's getting millions of viewers regardless of uh, the content. So definitely spread the word and help us out um, and. Yeah, look forward to the next episodes. 
Also, uh, Patreon. We'll mention the Patreon again. Um, Two dollars a month, you get ad-free podcasts. You get uh, access to or give us questions that once a month we'll answer. And then occasionally we're putting up kind of exclusive content. So for only $2 a month, it'll help us keep this podcast going with the running costs of Colton's crackers and the, uh, all the gear and electricity and microphones and all that. So, uh, with all those to, crackers, he needs water too. And not just any water, you know, it has yeah, to be bottled. It's Fiji so. water. He has to have Fiji water. Go to Patreon or Patreon, depending where you're from, dot com slash Congos. See you next week. 